And you don't have to clap long for me. Would you give it up for Casting Crowns? Hey, y'all, how's it going? This looks like a lot of people's youth room, doesn't it? Everything's red brick, then this is the youth room. This is how it works right here. I got this little tangled there, sorry. Yeah, I should have untangled that better. It's quiet now. Yeah, it got quiet. All right. This is that awkward pause moment. Yeah. All right, so what we're going to do is we're just going to ask some questions up here, and then in a moment we'll open it up for you guys to ask some questions as well. And so you can be thinking of those as we talk, but we'll go ahead and just start with a kind of a big obvious question. How did you guys each get your start in music? In music? Yeah. Well, um, we're all youth workers, and uh, I'm a youth pastor. As a matter of fact, we just left youth camp. I did last night. Uh, so I, I, I actually... Got to leave it, leave the last morning of camp with my uh, other guys, and I got to not be there for it. So that's pretty awesome. So somebody else had to clean my room out. That was awesome. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, so we're all in youth ministry. So, I, um, uh, how do we get started in music? I guess was we were all just serving in the churches and doing that. We we were the youth group band, and um, we were in Daytona Beach, Florida, and some men in our church said, "Hey, these songs that you're writing and you're singing to the youth group, you need to record these songs." So they put some money together, and they sent us to a little a little studio, and uh, we made a CD so our, our students would have something. So if you opened up our – do you all remember CDs? Remember when people, people used to buy their music? <laughs> that was funnier for me. Okay, so um, so uh, you open up the, the CD, and it was like, this is what we do on Wednesday. This is what we do on Sunday. This is this is the gospel. And it was sort of like a, like a thing that you could give your friends for our youth group. And um, a college kid – takes it off to college with him, and there's a country band that's been around for a long time called Sawyer Brown, and uh, Mark Miller is the singer of Sawyer Brown. So Mark is going by this college to meet his old coach for lunch. My college kid is playing ball with this coach and meets Mark and says, dude, you need to hear my youth pastor, and gives him our CD. So Mark gets back in his car. He listens to it all the way to the beach where he meets his friend, Stephen Curtis Chapman, and their families. Because they're having vacation together. So um, so it's a Sunday night, and I'm having lunch. I mean, I'm having uh, pizza because that's what we eat in youth ministry. It's made me the man that I am today. And um, so uh, so we're, we're at Johnny's Pizza in McDonough, Georgia, and uh, I get this call from Mark Miller. He said, I'm here with Stephen Curtis Chapman, and just that's where it all started. He said, we, we're hearing your music. Some kid named Chase. And I'm like, Chase, <laughs> my brother. So, uh, so it really was a God thing. So he said, man, we want to do something with your music. We think uh, we always want to do something together. We want to sign you guys. You'll be our first artist. And, uh, and I said, well, I said, can we stay youth pastors? Can we keep doing youth ministry and do that? And he said, well, I think you can. I don't see why you can't. So that's what we've done. And uh, so we gear our travel around our youth ministry. So we travel mainly Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, we all help lead worship in our churches uh, back home. Uh, five of the seven are at Eagles Landing with me. Brian, the drummer down there, is, uh, uh, is the music director for his worship service at his church. And Megan here um, is Mormon. No, that's not. I'm kidding. Megan. <laughs> I'm just. Megan. I'm going to get an email for that. 
But um, so Megan is just down the road with her husband, who is a youth pastor, and they serve in a church just down the road as well. So we're all in the same little area. We started at the same church, but poof, we're kind of all uh, five of the seven are at mine and then two of the, of the others. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how we got started. It really was a God thing that we, we've always served. We don't believe that there's a next level to the church. Um, we believe that that's where you pour your talents. That's where you pour your time. That's where you pour yourself into. And if God wants to do something else with it, that's fine. But there's no next level. Um, there's, there's no suddenly you're legitimate if, if some record label says you are. That's crazy, crazy talk. So uh, I, I think what we do in the church is, is 100 times bigger than what we do on the stage. So that's who we are. All right, so you're doing music, you're, you're casting crowns, so you're traveling, you're doing youth ministry. Uh, that's a little busier schedule than probably all of us, but I don't know about you guys. I have a hard time keeping track of my schedule sometimes. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you manage music, ministry, family, all that kind of stuff, and in the midst of it, keep your walk with Jesus just fresh and, and uh, continuous and all that? Oh, well, I, I take my family with My wife's in the band, and so... The, uh, our, I guess the rule is if mom's on the road, then the kids are on the road. So we got a lot of kids on the road. So we got our kids, Mark's children. They um, they're inspiring me because uh, their kids work for them now. They work, <laughs> so uh, they'll do merch or uh, production assistance. Awesome. So my kid's only ten, so I'm gonna start making him do something. For, I'm training him to be a. <laughs> He's in training. I'm training him to be a guitar tech. So, um, but um, but um, some of these guys have. Uh, these guys have, the guys that leave their families have awesome wives that take care of the, the homestead when they're home. Um, I, it's funny when you said keeping your, your quiet times fresh, and you know, I'm like, man, I do the same. I mean, I feel like I, I go through the same struggles. I'm not, uh, um, I don't know, it's not always fresh. <laughs> sometimes I'm, I'm opening the Bible out of duty or, or obligation sometimes, and, uh, um, and then uh, we'll go to camp, <laughs> I think. Uh, I heard Mark say it from stage a bunch of time. It's like everybody needs to go to camp. It's like everybody needs. We got youth camp. We take the students away. Why don't we go? Why don't we just take all the adults with us too? That's what's cool about. We could straighten every church in America out if we could just take the grown-ups to camp one week. Yeah. Well, that's why I like to see festivals like Creation because yeah. Creation, at least out of all the festivals, these festivals like this stand out because it is like camp, right? So you guys put your electronics away, listening to the, the camp. They actually, literally, you're literally camping. So, uh, so she mentioned everybody's got a church, everybody's got a family, and then we're obviously a part of the band. Um, it's become, I guess, somewhat normal for everybody to, to do all that stuff, I know. Um, and so I think for me, and I'm sure for the rest of the guys and girls here, we're not, we're not sure if it's normal to feel a little slightly out of control and like you're not sure what's going on all the time. And Is that normal? Because it's normal for us, for sure. Um, man, and so a lot of times you feel like, you know, when you have to travel, you feel like you have to let people down at church sometimes, you know, and that you can't be at a lot of things. Um, we try to be at most things. But um, really what it takes to answer your question um, is amazing people at home. So our spouses who stay at home, our kids who stay at home, and the other people on the staff at the church who are who are who are back, and they you know they totally like pick up the slack for you know when we're out a lot of you know Thursday Fridays and stuff Saturdays, 
So it really, like, I think they're the heroes, the ones who, who you know, don't get to go out on the trips, but, like, they have enough, um, uh, the words slip in my mind, but, like, maturity and love for the ministry and for us to, like, to know that they need to pick up the slack and, and they do it, you know, when we're, when we're absent a lot of times. So that's who I always attribute it to is my wife and all the other pastors on the staff who, um, you know, pick up the slack for us. All right. Um, can you talk to us about how, and maybe, uh, I don't know if each one of you want to say something on this, but how did you come to know Jesus? We had uh, VBS come through, like a little parade come through my neighborhood when I was about uh, seven or eight. And it, what that meant was several cars and trucks with kids hanging out going, come to Vacation Bible School. <laughs> and they were throwing candy. And I'm like, there's candy. So, uh, so... I got clearance and I went and then uh, the church loved on me and my sister out. You know, we were just little kids, but they came and followed up and they came and visited my house. And uh, the minister of music, Mr. James Blakeney, uh, led my dad to Jesus. And my dad was 30, I think he was 31 or maybe 33, but I think he was 31 when he got saved. And uh, he brought all of us to church and things changed at my house. And uh, I noticed that the music changed first. I never even knew my dad was musical. I just knew that he listened to it a lot. But suddenly, we were listening to something different. We were listening to uh, the Gaithers, and we were listening to Dallas Home and, and uh, this crazy rock and roll Jesus Dallas Home music, you know? So, um, uh, what's that? Hey, I'm a believer now since Jesus changed my mind by myself. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so uh, that's where it started. And then I was nine when, uh, when I trusted Jesus to save me. And uh, so, but it all started with my dad. He 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 led us there, so that was that was really cool. So I grew up in that same church. Hey y'all, I'm Megan. I grew up in the Mormon church. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, I'm sorry. Um, I can't focus on where I was. Um, so I was the youngest of four kids. My dad was a youth pastor. So I, I mean, I I heard the gospel for the first time when I was freshly placed in my mom's arms, and it was just, you know, not that I obviously became a Christian as a newborn, but um, just to tell you a little bit about my family, that's just, we were constantly um, poured into and told about Jesus. Um, so when I was um, six or seven, um, I think my oldest sister, Heather, sat down with me, and and it was, my mom describes it as a super sweet moment, but she just, she was really concerned. She wanted to make sure that I knew, and um my mom and dad came and talked with me and we, you know, I came, I became saved then. And then in high school, um, I think it really went from knowledge to really heart. And I really just kind of, um, made it a true relationship in my life. So yeah, that's pretty boring, but very fortunate. <laughs> hey everybody. I'm Chris. I'm the bassist in the band. Um, I, uh, I, I, <laughs> I heard this from an evangelist once, and sometimes I'll say it just to spice up my story a bit, but I, uh, I had a drug problem. My mom and dad drugged me to church most of my life. So. Uh, yeah, I, I grew up in church, um, grew up in the nursery and all that, uh, heard the gospel most of my life, and uh, I, I had never really seen it portrayed in front of me before, and uh, 
we were at First Baptist Daytona, my family and I. We had just moved there about a year before that. And um, we had gone to this Easter Passion play, and I'd never seen the crucifixion and resurrection portrayed in front of me before. And, you know, it wasn't really graphic. It was it was church safe, but it was still very dramatic. And uh, I really felt God speaking to me uh, watching that. And uh, after the, the burial scene, uh, Brother Bobby Welch, our pastor, came out and, and just sort of gave a very clear explanation of saying, this is what the gospel is. And, uh, uh, you know, opened up a, uh, a moment for people to ask Jesus into their heart. And uh, I knew that at that moment, that's that's what I wanted to do. That's where, I, I mean, I really felt like God was speaking to me saying, I'm here, what are you going to do with me? And uh, it was just a couple weeks after that, um, I opened up to my parents and said, I, I asked Jesus into my heart at the Passion Play. And uh, my dad uh, walked me through uh, the gospel and, and just make sure I understood what everything meant. And uh, the very next Sunday, or I think it was the next day, actually, which was Sunday, uh, I went forward and said, uh, I, wanna, I want the Lord to be ruler of my life. And uh, kind of cool fact, too, the same exact, like the very next school year that started, uh, I started taking music classes and playing trumpet. And so it's like God sort of gave me part of my ministry the year that he became the king of my life. Same church. Um, my dad was the minister of music for most of my life growing up there. And um, I remember one Sunday night in uh, children's choir, which normally on Sunday night children's choir back then, you were just learning songs to sing for the program at the end of the year. Um, but I just remember she, uh, the teacher that night just stopped everything and felt like she needed to give an invitation and, you know, and and I, I just remember ex extremely vividly understanding everything she was saying and understanding that I had sin in my life and that I needed Jesus to take it away and to save me from, you know, from myself. And so, uh, so I prayed in the middle of children's choir, and, uh, and I will forever be grateful to Diane White for stopping in the middle of what she was supposed to be doing and doing that that she felt God whispering to her to do, so. Awesome. The other three guys were praying for them, so <laughs> it's going to happen soon. Maybe tonight. Maybe tonight. One of these days. <laughs> all right, so you're all still in youth ministry, which is awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe how long you've been in youth ministry? I've been a youth pastor for half my life, so long time. 15 years. But... Uh, so, uh, <laughs> no, I started being, a, I started student ministry when I was about 21, and uh, my wife, Melanie, and I have been doing student ministry together for years. Melanie runs Crowns. She's the left brain that keeps Cash and Crowns working, and she in here? You in here, babe? Right here. That's my she's sweet wife on the phone. She's <laughs> wheeling and dealing. Oh, Awesome. And she and my daughter are leaving for Africa on uh, on Tuesday, so pray for her. But uh, what was the question? <laughs> How long have we been in youth ministries? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, it's still what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be the world's oldest, oldest youth pastor. That's my goal. 
Yeah. Almost <laughs> you. She got me back. <laughs> Megan said I was almost there. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I think we've been in uh, youth ministry since about three months after we got married. I'm longer than you. Oh, whatever. So I'm it's about se- <laughs> 17 years for me, and it's actually been with Mark and Melanie. We've hmm. never been with any other youth pastor. So, yeah. Sam. <laughs> All right. And then my last question, then we're going to open it up, is what has been your favorite moment uh, of being in Casting Crown so far? Can I go? I got one. Uh, I think, and not just because we're here, but because we're here. I think the very first time we played at this festival, we had the morning worship spot. And we we all went on stage thinking, what in the world are we about to walk into? Is there going to be anybody here? And little did we know. Yeah, because we didn't think anybody knew who we were. We just just had a song, one song out. Little did we know there was about 20,000 people ready to worship. And... That was that was a nice yeah. kickoff for us. Yeah, I think the first uh, like official concert that we did, I you know just wondering like does anybody even know who you are? It was the fact that total strangers that we'd never met before were singing the songs to us that we had already been singing with our youth groups was just surreal, and I, I can't I can't even describe it how it felt just to hear. People that we'd never met, totally different place, yeah. singing the same song with us. Because if we we're the body, we'd been singing yeah. that to our youth group for maybe in different forms for maybe eight years before any anybody else ever heard it. So, so all the all the songs are they all started out as something I was teaching. So even the last record was something that I've been teaching the last two years, and so the Bible studies sort of turn into and then evolve into the songs. That's why they're so long. Cash the Crown songs are epic, like Lord of the Rings extended edition kind of stuff. So, yeah. On our last record, we had a song that was only like three minutes long, but we fixed it. All right, so we want to get some questions from you guys. So, all right, right here in the second row. Great, you with the red hair. I'd say every concert we meet somebody that will say this song met me where I was and and that's special to me because that's how I was discipled. I'm dyslexic and ADD so I didn't really read the Bible very much and it was Christian music that taught me that worship was prayer. Uh, So this isn't a worldview, this is a conversation with a person. So so that's, that's what started and then it started pointing me back to the word. That's why in our CDs you see under the title of the, the song, you see all the scripture that it comes from because I would go in there and read that stuff. I wanted to know why they said what they said and what it meant, where it came from, and, and, and it, it would take me to the word. I'd go look it up in the Bible after I'd hear the song. And uh, so I feel like I was raised by Christian music. And uh, so for, for us, you know, 
a lot of songs like right now, Oh My Soul is one that we're hearing. If the only the only almost negative is when they say, I heard your song and I had to pull the car over. I have heard that so many times. We're a dangerous band. That's not, yeah, you shouldn't listen to Casting Crowns when you're driving, apparently. But uh, I was like, dude, you, yeah, I got to be careful out there. So, uh, but just, just kidding, defense mechanism. Anyway, um, uh, but it, it, it is really encouraging to hear, you know, Broken Together is what brought a family back together. And, and, or, or I've heard guys come up to me and say, American Dream, that was me. Thanks for telling me that was me. And, uh, and, I, and it's, uh, we're changing things now. So uh, stories are good. Have you guys got any? Remember the girl we met maybe a couple months ago, a uh, teenage girl who was planning to commit suicide that night. And uh, she had a handful of pills. And uh, she didn't have the Internet at her house. They didn't have Wi-Fi or anything. And really close before she was about to do it, Somehow her phone connected to her neighbor's Wi-Fi and Spotify started playing Just Be Held. And, uh, you know, then we met her that night. She, she didn't do it. So that was one that was like, whoa, that was crazy. All right. All right. We'll go right here in the front. I think we are, yeah. I think I think we are. Oh, that's awesome. If it turns out that we didn't do it, it's because Megan talked us out of it. <laughs> but I think we are doing it. Yeah. it the, the hard part of doing concerts when you know you've only got a, a window, a little short thing is is doing all the, we call them the bigs. We got to do all the bigs. And uh, so, yeah, but we'll, we'll try to sing everybody's, everybody's favorites. Yeah, definitely. All right, over here in the yellow. Hey. guys may have some good check one two uh, some of you guys might have some good resources out there I've, I've been at the church I've been in for um, what, 15 years so now I just put my new leaders with my old leaders so so you have a partner as you're coming up but uh, some of the stuff out there 
Um, Brian, what's some of the, the leadership resources that are out one there? Of the, one of the greatest uh, youth ministry resources I ever found was a book called The Seven Checkpoints, written by Andy Stanley. Um, and if you get it, I just used the student journal. I didn't use the leader journal. I just went off the, the, the student journal. It's like a devotional. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that, that's good for just foundational truths. As far as um, training your youth workers to be youth workers, uh, does anybody else have any good ones that are out there? Melanie, she's the smart one. In our early 20s and so all of our leaders were older than us and if there's any advice I would give you is stick with your current attitude and that is humility and if you respect their wisdom but then also um, present your vision and what God's told you because God's obviously put you in the position of leadership and not them and so but at the same time if you're encouraging to them um, uh, and always, you know, defer to them, you know, what do you think about this? But at the same time, stick to whatever visions you feel like God's given you for a ministry started or whatever. I think that'll take you uh, until you can find the right resources. <laughs> I wish we could point you that way, but we kind of had to wallow through. When we first started the church we're in now 16 years ago, there were zero uh, uh, life group, you know, small group Sunday school teachers. And we had to start from zero with 200 students and no teachers and build from the ground up and it it took a while but you you bring them in you you connect with them personally and you make sure you're a team together even if there's just two people that you start with and go from one there. thing i throw in there too is i think for me did i lose some juice in this mic or something can y'all hear me okay okay cool maybe i'm i'm slowly losing my hearing um but uh i um tend to be when i was a young young leader I tended to be um, intimidated by people that had gifts that I didn't have. Because you feel like when you're in charge, I thought, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I'm the youth guy. I'm the one. I'm the one that they told was in charge, so I've got to have all the ideas. I've got to know how they all they all work, and I've got to be the creative one. I've got to be all of it. So, so unfortunately, um, it doesn't work that way, and I think I held the student ministry back for a long time because I was intimidated by for me, I'm right brain up in the clouds. I'm, I, I call it the wouldn't it be cool guy. Everything I, I think of is like, wouldn't it be cool if, and that's where I start, where someone like Melanie is going to go, okay, that's an awesome idea. Um, here's a list of 43 things that we should do to make that work, right? And at that point, I would say, babe, babe, you're managing me out of my vision here, you know? And uh, like, just don't 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 try to manage me. Let's just let let God do this, right? <laughs> and then I would go and do my thing, you know, kind of half done, not well. But two kids would get saved, and I'd be like, "See, babe, just stay out of the way." <laughs> and uh, and really, what was happening was God was working around me, not not as much through what I was doing. But when I started realizing that I don't have all of those gifts, and I don't have all of the the talents, I don't have all that stuff. So what I need to do is surround myself with people that maybe I might not hang with as much because I'm going to surround myself with me. Uh, anybody ever watch um, Andy Griffith? Andy Griffith is a great show, but Andy Griffith is one of the worst leaders I've ever seen because look at who his people were. Just morons everywhere. Everywhere was morons. And the only way he could do, only, the only way he could do anything was to trick them. 
trick them into doing the thing. That, I mean, it's like awful leadership, you know. So, so surround yourself with people that have different gifts and, and get the organized one in here and then get the, the people person in here and then get the, get the, uh, the exhorter and get the mercy person. If you have the, the, the prophecy leadership team, you're going to have about four kids there because they're all going to be scared to death of y'all. But if you have the mercy team, you know, they're all there, but they don't, you know, they all think they're fine. You know, no, nobody's going to tell them. Nobody's going to hurt their feelings. So, uh, He's so not the mercy team. You got to bring it. So, yeah, I don't have a lot of mercy. So, um, so you, you got to have a balance. So I, I think that we wrote a song a while back called City on a Hill. And to me, I think that that's a picture of what happens to church is all the warriors get together and start their own church and all the poets get together and stroke their beards and go smoke a pipe and, you know, get their stuff figured out and don't, you know, everybody just kind of goes in a different direction and does their little thing and are totally useless. But when they come together, stuff happens. So I, I think uh, I think that's a big thing is, is just letting people have their input. Don't be intimidated by other people having their gifts and, uh, and working with you. Yeah. We meet every week with our youth workers. I'm sorry, every other week, every other Sunday night we get together and, and we, we all come together and I realize, and Neil, my other leaders re realize that um, my youth leaders don't have a life group anymore because they're teaching one. So I'm their life group. We are the life group now. So now that I'm pulling them out of their community to lead, I got to create community for them. So every other week we get together, we spend time together, we're in the Word together, we pray for each other, and then we also talk about student ministry while we're there. Um, uh, shepherds need a shepherd. So there will come a point where you can't be everything for the students, but now you've got to be everything for them, the leaders that are being there for the students. So uh, it's, there's a lot to talk about in this one, one little thing, but, uh, but yeah, that. Okay, questions in the back. All right, back, brown shirt on the edge. You. Yep. <laughs> hey guys. Oh yeah. Instagram, so I'm, I'm more of an Instagram guy, but I like to watch people covering our songs. What you saying? Yeah, when people are covering it, it's awesome. It's awesome to hear that stuff. When people put live song to um, a music video of uh, My Morphin Power Rangers, that's a little <laughs> bit of a yeah, that's weird. It's a different situation. <laughs> different situation. Yeah, yeah. To me, I I think it's awesome to see your song get used somewhere else. I think it's amazing to, to see youth groups acting the songs out and dramas and stuff. And, and uh, so it, it's, it's gold because that's what I did. I sang, I mean, I wore Stephen Curtis Chapman's um, uh, solo tracks. <laughs> I wore those things out, man. There were tapes. There were these little plastic things. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. All right. All right, right here up front.
we were just uh, on a Europe tour, and um, which city was it? When that yeah. was uh, Holland. Holland, yeah. Rotterdam, Rotterdam, Holland. Um, this uh, it really took us by surprise. It started as uh, it was going to be a theater. Then it sold out in an hour or two, and then it became another building and another building and another building until there were 12,000 people at this concert. And it was the uh, uh, biggest one they've ever had for a Christian artist in, in Holland. And, and we're there, and just hearing them worship was usually the biggest moments. I just get quiet. I just kind of listen. And uh, there, it was uh, the song we were doing, uh, Greater You, Lord. Uh, we just kind of threw it in last minute, I think. And and um, I like to back away and hear the crowd. So it was really, really good. Because, you know, a lot of those people are going back to really small churches where they feel like maybe they're the only Christian where they live. And then I'm watching them not only connect with Jesus but connect with each other. Like, they're all looking around like, this is happening right now. Like this mom moments that happened here. And uh, it, it was, that was special. sung these songs hundreds of times before. I mean, just it kind of, we have to fight the urge to let it be habitual. You know, it's just like kind of, let's just get through this song, whatever, because we've done it so many times. And um, so we encourage each other every day when we have our prayer time before concerts to, um, to find somebody in the crowd and just kind of watch them or like when a spotlight hits somewhere, just kind of just watch that. Remind you, give you a perspective that even though we've sung this a thousand times, this is a moment for these people, and this is a moment for the Holy Spirit to really minister to your heart. Um, a few years ago, I was, I don't, I don't even know what city it was, I can't even um, begin to tell you where we were, but I was just having one of those days where I was just like, okay, we've been on the road four days, kind of one of those, I would look at the set list and go, ten more songs I can do, <laughs> eight more songs I can do. Come on, we're almost there. You know, just kind of just wanted to be done and go home. And um, I looked up about halfway through the concert, and there's a handicap section over here. And there was a little boy in a wheelchair. He was um, quadriplegic, and um, his dad sat down beside him the whole time, and which you see a lot with people in wheelchairs, people that are with them. They'll sit with them because they can't stand up, so they'll sit the whole time. And so I just kind of watched and still had that attitude of, all right, are we kind of we done yet, you know? Um, and I'll be vulnerable. I mean, I have I have moments like that. But crazy when the storm started, and I'll never forget. I looked up because I had this big piano intro, and I looked up, and that dad had picked that boy. I don't know, start crying. <laughs> picked that boy up out of his wheelchair and was just clutching him, and the boy was just kind of hanging in his arms, and he was just weeping and just holding his boy in his arms and, and um, worshiping the Lord from that. And it was just kind of a moment where it was so powerful, I'm sure for them, but it was powerful for me too, just to, and I've never forgotten that, you know, and in the concerts, a lot of times I'll have, I'll go back and I'll remember that because it was so powerful to me that, like I said a minute ago, that even though it, it, it becomes routine for us sometimes, it's a moment for people and these songs um, it's so much bigger than us so much bigger than the ground and um, 
So anyways, that was one moment that I will never forget ever. Okay. All right, we have time for like two more. So right there, waving with the creation shirt. We actually did do that. Yeah, we do that. And I don't um, know where you ever, nobody's ever sold a $200 ticket for a Cats and Crowns concert. So I have to <laughs> pause you there. It must have been somebody else. But, uh, but yeah. So, uh, so but, yeah, we, we, we're involved with a lot of ministries in the different cities that we go to. Okay. All right. Now we're going to go one more on this side in the white shirt right there. This was recently. Mm. Well, I, you're in charge of the youth group. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, are they here? Okay. I got you. I got you. Well, you know, I I would man, I would take them to to Psalm 139. Um, Lord just talks about how much God knows us, and yet He knows our our feelings and our phases and our grief, and and that we're not accidents. I, I would I would get into the the personal pictures of who Jesus is in John. Uh, I'd start reading the book of John and and just start pointing them to to who Jesus is. And songs wise, I don't know what songs are good for that. Oh, our song. Yeah, Hillary Scott. Scott. Yeah. 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 But we'll be definitely be praying for you, Lord. Yeah. What's your name? Joy. Can we all pray for Joy? Let's pray. God, thanks so much for Joy. I thank you for actually everybody in this room that that has. 
pouring into the lives of young people as they are slowly becoming who they're going to be. Uh, it's such a cool, such a cool thing, such an impossible task to do. Uh, it's something that, that, that we'll never do in our own strength. We'll never do in our own creativity. We'll never do um, in our own years of experience. We won't change a single life. But, Lord, we can love them, and we can point them to truth, and we can be there. And sometimes when, when tragedy strikes, we feel as leaders that we have to explain you to them. We feel like we've got to defend you to them. We've got to come up with a magic verse. We've got to come up with this uh, explanation for why all this is happening so it'll be all better. But, Father, we just live in a broken world. And, God, I pray that as Joy, um, I pray that she starts rediscovering her name to know that her joy comes from you, not from the situation, and that joy is deeper than happy, and that joy, um, the book of joy, Philippians was written from prison, so in dark times, Lord, we can lean on you, and you can be our anchor, and I pray, Father, that as joy leans on you, um, that she wouldn't feel they have to draw from her, but they could draw from you, too, so God, you give her your wisdom, and uh, you point her to truth to show them, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, as we close out today, you're sitting in a room filled with youth pastors and youth leaders. And so from youth leader to youth leaders, what is some advice or encouragement you could give them? One good thing I would say is um, you can get a lot done by getting kids to come to church. I think, I think that's a great thing. I think when I had a youth room like this, my goal was to fill every room in this, every chair in this room. And I thought, man, if I could just get, if I could, oh, one day... I mean, they're going to be bringing in new chairs, and they're going to have to pile them in to get all these kids in here. And my goal was to fill the chairs, and then I got the chairs full, and I realized if I don't get these kids out of these chairs, <laughs> if I don't get them discovering their own gifts and discovering their own walk with Jesus and their own ministry, if all they're doing is coming into a room and watching me talk, uh, they're going to graduate and go to somebody else's room and listen to them talk. So, so the reason our kids don't stick to it is because they're an audience. But when they realize they're a part of a body uh, and they see that they've got gifts and they've got talents and what they do can point people to Jesus, my goal as a youth pastor is to give everybody in this room a track to run on. So not just to say, we need to be in the Bible more, but I'm going to create five ways you can be in the Bible more. And not say, you need to be out there serving. No, it's my job to start creating tracks for people to run on, Right? So when they come home from, a, from an event like this, and they're all excited, and, and two weeks later, I, I wonder why they're not excited anymore. It's because I put them back down in their chair when they got home. And, man, that stuff leaks, you know. Excitement leaks. Passion leaks. It all leaks. But if I can start pulling them out and finding something for them to do, man, there's kids in my church right now. I don't have to ask them if they're coming Sunday because they, they're like, of course I'm coming Sunday. I do the sound. Of course I'm coming Sunday. I, I do the artwork for the, work, for the worksheet. I do the bulletin board. I do the photography for all the events. Of course I'm coming. I've, you, know, you need me, right? Your kid needs to know that they're needed. 
And, uh, and that's why you're probably still here. Because somebody in your church said, we need you. We need you to help with this. And you thought, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> right? You didn't think you were good enough, sharp enough, strong enough, saved enough, anything enough. But you stepped up. And nobody has to ask you if you're coming on Sunday. Because you're a part of the body. Yeah? So those kids aren't the church of the future. They're the church now. So, so as we're pouring truth into them, let's give them a track to run with it on. And they can see that they're dancing can point people to Jesus, and their painting can point people to Jesus, and their 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 math skills can point people to Jesus. That 11th grader needs to be helping some 6th graders out with their homework on Wednesday before church. That, that Everything that they do, they can use in ministry. So that's our job. We build tracks for people to run on. So God bless you guys.